Welcome back to the podcast. If you have not heard the previous part of this podcast, please check your library. Mark, you ready? Go for it. All right. Hi, Peter. Um, okay, so my name's Mark Hogue. I am feeling I'm feeling a little a little vulnerable, a little sad. Um, it's also just a delight to sit down and see you all and realize, wow, we get to talk about the significance of role-playing games um, and the opportunity of role-playing games. Um, but, but yeah, dear, dear friend of mine passed away and I was just at his memorial. Uh, I had, you know, I came home immediately afterwards and logged in. So uh, he, he's, he was, he's this big hearted, amazingly loving man that, uh, you know, back some years ago, I hosted a barefoot boogie every week where it was a barefoot dance. And uh, I did that for a number of years. And Michael was just this fearless, no shyness. He just would welcome everybody, dance with everybody, and uh, just super playful and, and heartful. So it was lovely to see a lot of people who I used to dance with and um, recognize that I've gotten a little out of touch. And it's been a while since I've danced with them. And um, just saying goodbye to Michael and wondering about the rest of the the circle of friends who many m most of them are in their 50s 60s 70s um oh sorry two words to describe your mortal state <laughs> um a little vulnerable and uh a little sad uh something you're grateful for for your childhood um well i am grateful that i uh got turned on to dnd um in my youth and it really like I was saying earlier, it really, really helped me and was a uh, outlet uh, and uh, inspiration for creative expression and uh, uh, yeah, creativity and connection. Um, name one of your favorite characters from a story and three inner qualities you admire in them. Wow. Um, Well, I'll, I'll say Samwise Gamgee <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Uh, loyalty and um, just perseverance, such a, a you know, devotion, um, pure heart. Uh, and yeah, devotion and loyalty to friend and to the mission, so to speak. There we go. Nice, thank you. Um, I, I love I love this uh, I love this question because it really says says so much. Peter, will you uh, will you go for a check in with us? Sure. Uh, I'm Peter Young. Um, uh, emotional state, uh, whatever the emotional state is when you just drop 200 bucks on DD books, um, that's a very unique emotional state and uh, probably encapsulates multiple emotions at the same time. So I'm just going to say I just dropped 200 bucks on DD books and I'm very, very, very fine with that. Um, uh, something I'm grateful 
for for my childhood uh having a D group uh, just kind of i the the place i dropped 200 bucks uh on <clears throat> for the books was my my childhood dm's game store that he just opened so i wanted to you know go spend a lot of money there so um and then uh it's funny you should be mentioning sam because i actually uh have Boromir um you know he is heroic he expresses kindness um even in the face of everything and even though he is corrupted by the ring because you know he is human and that is that is the fate of man um he he eventually comes out of it and you know, is is able to resist it, at, or at least come to terms with it at the very end of things. And that that whole kind of thing is very Boromir's path is just beautiful. Lovely, lovely. Well, um, great. Maybe we'll have <clears throat> we'll have you continue, Peter, and just tell us a little bit about your um, your experience or experiences. Um, as a teacher gamer, or are you more of an RPG trainer? Where's your... I wear a million hats. Um, so I, I'm i actually kind of a big applied RPG guy. Um, so I've been in the applied RPG scene for about seven or eight years. Uh, that includes school groups, therapeutic groups, um, social skills groups, theater groups, um, subject matter groups, um, foster care groups and so i have been just all over the place um using rpgs in a really applied sense um i work for a uh crisis mental health agency during the day and my main kind of focus is i run autism social skills groups but um i've done a lot of work also kind of in developing and helping uh, test, uh, I think it was called Deep Blue, which was a Foundry 10 produced marine biology RPG. And so that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm also the curriculum writer for a video game called Ava that is used for teaching um, social emotional learning skills to aut autistic kids in either a classroom or a therapeutic context. So I'm, I'm writing their curriculum. And I also released a free RPG that I developed myself where um, based on where, where, where the kids create the space pirate character, but it, it is autistic and it's meant to be played by autistic kids. And part of the character creation involves their coping mechanisms and their triggers. And so when they're faced with something that might be triggering for them, how well they're able to either communicate their needs or use coping strategies. Uh, they get like extra dice to meet a challenge. So there's kind of a cool mechanical thing where it's like, hey, you know, if you rem remember to you know, put on your noise canceling headphones at this super busy market, um, you get an extra dice to be able to interrogate this greedy merchant or whatever. Okay. 
coping strategies. So, so it awards coping strategies, so yeah. to speak. That's very cool. I like it. Wow. So Peter, it, where can I find your game? Uh, let me find it. Because I, um, I do some work at Temple Grandin School in Boulder, Colorado, and that's primarily for people on the spectrum. And I know one of the teachers in there leads role-playing games, so I'd love to uh, connect them with this and check it out. Make sure that this is the right thing. Here we go. What city are you in? Uh, Tacoma, uh, Maryland. No, Maryland? no, no. Yeah, it's, it's it's by Seattle. Yeah. So like Washington, SeaTac. Cool. Yeah. Um. So you know, I I just want to go through. So already, Aaron and I um, shared, and uh, his character that he brought up was Spider Jerusalem, um, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let him describe that a little bit. And mine was Matt Cawthon from The Wheel of Time. Um, and we've heard you guys, Sam, Samwise, Gamgee, and um, Boromir. Uh, I'd let, I'd let I, for I, everybody... Oh, go ahead. No, I, 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 if, if shaving my head were not just a process of absolute pain, I would have cosplayed a Spider a couple of years ago because he, he is my hero. I did it for Comic-Con and a LARP. And um, someone took a picture and sent it to Warren Ellis and he posted it on his Twitter feed and like, sorry, this is my fault. And there was a picture of me as Spider Jerusalem at Comic-Con. Were, were you the one that was handing out drugs? <laughs> oh, man. No, maybe I should have been. <laughs> yeah, the, so, no. so the, 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 there was a Spider Jerusalem who, whenever you took a picture with him, he would give you drugs, which were Tic Tacs. Oh. oh, yeah. No, no, that wasn't me. I have pictures, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah. This was many years ago, you know, back when Comic-Con was, was in person, but yeah, I shaved my head to, to be Spider-Jerusalem for a LARP. And then I did it again to cosplay at Comic-Con. Awesome. Nice. So uh, my question for everybody, uh, just to go with this is that I feel like, um, there's flaws in all these characters or, I mean, or as, as Peter said, you know, there's this human aspect, um, and I was wondering if you could speak to that um, as we attempt to work with kids uh, or people in general around learning, around uh, cognitive development. How does that, how do, how do RPGs um, help or shine light on not just for the science, but for the individual, that sense of it's okay to be flawed. And how do heroes help us with that? Like the ones we mentioned, but also, and, and you could talk to that, but also as we create characters, um, because I find a lot of times that kids, you know, they want to create really strong people. They don't, they don't tend to build flawed characters until uh, they played for a while. Um, but that's not always the case. Anybody want to jump in on that? Well, just, just as in a small way, I find when I'm working with kids in my LARP, um, yes, they, they, they don't necessarily want to focus on flaws. Um, even though in our game system, there is 
uh, certain advantages you can get if you take flaws like phobias and, uh, you know, uh, things like that, you know, frail body, heavy body. Uh, <clears throat> um, but, uh, but I think what is most intriguing to me is that they get to interact with me playing the NPCs who have flaws and through that be encountering some level of humility, humbleness, vulnerability, um, and it brings out their generosity. So <clears throat> even if they're playing the, you know, barbarian warrior who's, you know, really rough and tough, um, they, it, it invites their heart and generosity to be dealing with NPCs that have vulnerabilities and frailties and needs. And so they learn about it in that way. Go for it. Thanks, Mark. Now that I would love to pick your brain, Mark, about just how you use LARPing um, at some point, because that's something I'm kind of interested in um, once you know COVID sort of wraps up. But um, as far as the the flawed thing, I uh, the primary thing that I've been working on lately, um, and I've been doing this for about seven years, is a social skills group for autistic kids that has a high degree of longevity. Um, you know, kids will stay in the group for multiple years. Um, and I kind of joke that once they graduate, I hire them, um, which has actually happened. So I have kind of the first, second generation applied DM. But uh, what that has resulted in is a lot of the more seasoned kids wanting to create very flawed characters because it's fun. So you make the flaws really fun by creating a safe environment where they are allowed to be flawed. Because if you're setting up an RPG where it's like, okay, you're going to be doing all the violence, all that matters is being a strong person. Whereas a big part of my games is, you know, I, I played Undertale and thought this game blew my mind. Let's make a nonviolent game. So, um, you know, now a lot of my games are like group interviews or suing the bad guy, which is a lot more fun than killing the bad guy because then you get to see him living in squalor. Um, and, uh, you know, putting on a WWE, like wrestling, pro wrestling thing. And so when the stakes are no longer, you know, you must be strong or you will die. It's, you know, you can be strong or you can be kind of goofy. And the worst thing that's going to happen is, uh, you know, your, your, your court case might not go so well. The consequences for failure are no, no longer death. And I find that the kids are a lot more willing to be flawed and embody a lot of their own flaws as a way, as a way of kind of working through it or trying on different personas, which have their own flaws as a form of like identity processing. So it just comes down to creating a safe space for being a flawed person. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure if I could do a better answer than either of Mark or Peter's. Um, I, I definitely agree with um, Peter in creating a safe space uh, for them. And I ascribe to um, the head of Usterskov After School, which is an all LARP school in Denmark, um, says that uh, the the something to the effect of the mask of role playing allows you allows the character to fail without consequence. You know, you don't have consequences; your character does. So you have an alibi. You have the ability to, you know, make these mistakes and learn from them in a safe, protected space, a make believe space, so that you don't have your actual consequences to it um and so that's one i'm i'm running a science-based larp right now um at the homeschool um where i basically had two sets of goals uh, the stuff you have to do as a player so that's like assessment write an essay about the scientific topic but then you have character goals and i told them you know flat out you can absolutely fail at these character goals and that has nothing to do with it you know it's not great if we're a homeschool so we're not grading but the, you know, I'm more interested in what they're writing as a person and that they're learning, but that they have the freedom to experiment and to play, specifically to play um, with the possibility of, of, you know, what a flaw is. And in this case, the LARP that I'm doing is um, some of them believe in um, uh, false theories, scientific theories. It's called the Great Flaudiston Debate. It takes place uh, just before the French Revolution in France where Anton Lavoisier and his wife, Marie, hold a garden party. This is true. These are real historical figures. And um, they debate scientific theories. And one of the theories was phlogiston, which is an element that um, they believe burned. Um, a, lot, a lot of scientists believe there was an element called phlogiston that caused combustion. Um, before they didn't realize it. And they very firmly believed in this. So it's about scientific theory and science and truth and things like that. So the flaws such as they are, is that there's characters who believe that, that they are right because of their position, their, their authority, um, you know, or that they've done this experiment and then, oh, that's right, I'm smart and this is right. And so I'm, I'm hoping we'll find out, you know, in, in the next couple of classes, how these kids deal with, you know, these characters that have flaws. Um, and, the, and the next thing that I think I think of and haven't really thought about until sort of mentioned is that um, I, I firmly believe that a lot of people's greatest strengths are their greatest weaknesses. So that it's, it's very difficult for me to look at any quality of a human and call it flat out a flaw in all conditions in all times. I think that everyone, you know, has great strengths and flaws and just depends on what the context is within it. So that you could say someone is very self-centered, but in some instances and to certain degrees, that's very helpful for someone and can be very useful for them. Um, so I think it's interested in just learning within a context and this goes along with a safe space and what context could, what could be a flaw actually be a strength. What context could a strength actually be a flaw in certain instances, stuff like that. So that's what role playing is being able to juggle these different contexts um, to see how a certain condition, you know, or quality of a person can be affected by the context and can actually be help, you know, helpful or useful or something. Wow, I love all these responses. These are amazing and um, really happy for any listener getting to hear these, these different uh, takes on it. Um, I'll just quickly say that I, I think that, yeah, the ability to process risk 
um, and and what that what that is uh, the ability uh, to use uh, yeah using the mask of the character to to try different things especially for for identity uh, to not be outed about something uh, I think that's a big thing for me with teenagers is that they they want to be able to explore things or try things or say things nasty things nice things all sorts of different things and and they can say it through their character and, and it's not about it's not about them uh, i think this is just such a such a wonderful tool um, that's playful and i want to just move into that idea also is that there's role-playing games for me is an opportunity to do implicit learning instead of explicit learning so you have all the all these sel programs <clears throat> social emotional learning programs uh, you also have these pbls these project-based learning you have all these things uh these opportunities to do learning um but i feel like using role-playing games uh is this opportunity to be teaching and learning about things without talking explicitly about what you're doing but just saying to kids hey do you want to play a game and they say yeah and then you say okay and here you know you start taking them down a road uh whichever road that might be, and it's not, you know, okay, we're going to work on collaboration today. You know, th this is the, this is the one that just makes me smack my forehead um, every time. Um, and speaking of strategies, I was wanting to uh, ask you guys, because I feel like we have some, some LARP uh, specialists here. How do you feel like for a, for a tabletop role-playing game teacher or person who's really at the tabletop, what are some strategies to move into LARPing um, or making the experience more, more live uh, and moving away from the character sheets uh, and all the kind of tools at the table and move more into embodying uh, their characters? Anybody like to jump in on that one? Mark, do you mind if I grab it? Because I'm going to have to. No, I, I was just going to point it to you because I know you've yeah. got to leave. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, guys. I got I got be the cat and <laughs> do my chores and stuff. So, um, so I've done uh, hybrid tabletop LARP um, uh, settings and situations. And so the way I, and I love combining my LARP experience with tabletop. So I've been doing that for years and years and years. And I basically just start very simply with like props, um, just like bringing in props for things. So if there's a map and here's the map of the village or, you know, give them an app, you know, try and print out, you know, on a scroll, a map or, you know, so all you have is the tactile moment of it. Then you can start bringing in like sound effects, lighting, you know, so, so you're kind of creating the environment, but they're still sitting over the character sheets and stuff like that. So you're, you're easing them into it and then suggest maybe there's costumes and costume be as simple as a hat. So that you as the game master put on different hats or something for the, um, for the NPC when you're playing an NPC, different hats. And you start maybe if you can, like different speech patterns. I don't necessarily want to say accents, but speech patterns, uh, your verbiage, the language you're using to represent the different characters. So you get used to using your voice as, as a character. And so, which a lot of game masters are doing already. So to me, really the difference between say a tabletop and LARPing is just in LARPing, you just stand up, 
from the table. And, and so I think an easy one, once you've kind of got these little props in and then, you know, you got hats and you're doing that, you know, voices, you got some lighting and some props stand up from the table and then you could just kind of sort of role play one scene, maybe just one scene, maybe just a bargaining, you know, you're at the merchant, you're trying to sell the loot that you got and you need some healing potions or something, you know? And so take, take the dice, just put it aside to it and you can, and you can role play it out. If you feel that for some of the kids who are shy on that, you have the system there to, to cushion them. So if they feel very uncomfortable with actually talking to a person and representing their stuff and like, I don't really want to talk to them or you're finding that, then we can always just go to the dice, right? We can always just say, okay, just roll your, you know, your bargain scale or whatever. And, and we'll see what happens. But, but it's, I think it's an easing in of LARP techniques of props, music, lighting, costuming. And then you start role playing the characters a little bit more and encouraging them to do more. And I found that another way early in games that I played was, um, that, that a GM who really encouraged role-playing, talking and acting in the character would say, if you can role-play this on me, um, you have a much better chance of success. If you just want to roll it, you can, but then we just kind of go by the rules. So the encouragement is, if you can actually talk to the person, you get, let's say, a bonus or you'll succeed automatically or something like that. So you kind of, not that you could still roll the dice, you still might succeed, but your, your chance of success increases once the dice are on the side, if that makes sense. So you're just kind of getting the dice out of it. But other than that, what a role-playing game, I think it's the same. Nice. Hope that helps. <laughs> that totally helps. I mean, that's, again, there might be people tuning in and listening to this. Uh, and and I, I always try to think in that perspective is, you know, there are people who want to jump into this and they're like, how do I do it? And, and some people are more, you know, they'll just jump in and, and go for it and improvise. And there's other people who really won't take the steps until they have all the strategies and tools. So anything that we share, obviously, is part of the wealth and, and acquiring of knowledge that that we're passing on here. So really appreciate it. Yeah. Aaron, and you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just gonna say, thanks so much. This was awesome. Um, Zach you. for doing this. Thank you so much and having me in the group and hopefully there'll be more. Yeah. Um, I thought this was great. And Mark and Peter is great seeing you. Mark actually at least face to face, if not <laughs> flesh yeah. and flesh to something. So say give give a give a, a hi to Aaron uh, Aaron for me. And can I ask I will. you? Thank can yeah. I ask you, Aaron, before you leave? <clears throat> um, one of the things that I was uh, I wanted to one of the formal things I wanted to ask people was, um, you know, uh, there's this concept of the teacher gamer revolution. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, I've been really trying to, again, bring this into more into the schools, as we talked about, not just uh, after schools programs, not just camps. Um, and I was just wondering from everybody, um, you know, is there anything that we could, I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking for pledges if you want to make them. And one of the ones that I, I want to tell you guys, I, I'm wondering if, if you feel that this experience is valuable, if I pledged to put on a, a, a chat like this once a month, you know, I don't know what it is, the first Sunday of every month or whatever, is that the kind of thing that you might come to? just meeting teacher gamers online once a month or once every two months. I don't What are your thoughts about that? Cause this is a kind of pledge that I, I personally want to make. And I'm wondering what, 
And before yeah. you go, Aaron, if you have a pledge. Yeah, I was going to answer. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to meet and, and chat. I was going, I, I, was, I was hoping to, to <laughs> ask a question on the class after run Monday on how I can, um, if you guys can help me give an idea on how I can run an experiment without lab for all these science. What I'm trying to do in the, in the lesson is whatever i won't go over it because i gotta run but i would love to have an opportunity that we could just bounce ideas off and best practices and what worked what didn't work right i love to tell you guys like larps that failed and why i failed and how and why so awesome. you're not making mistakes i made so yes and a short to make a short answer long very long yes i'd be very interested in a monthly or bi-monthly uh meeting of teacher gamers nice so yes cool. i would Thank you guys. I'm off. Have a, have a great rest of uh, weekend and guys keep chatting. It's good to see you all and um, game on. See you guys. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Bye. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be down for that. It just depends on what day of the week and timing. Um, but I think it'd be fun and uh, great to network with people. Absolutely. Great. Uh, I'm always down to network uh time is like not something i have a lot of but it's kind of one of those things where like hey if i'm around i'm around and i've yeah so, yeah yeah for me it's more it, it's it's also just like if it's valuable I, I don't want to create something i mean you probably you guys have probably experienced that where you, you try to generate something in the community and if people find it's value valuable, it's like that they'll come, they'll do it. And especially if it's at a good time um, versus, you know, uh, yeah, okay, maybe I would sort of do that. And then, you know, it's, you know, here, or there, something happens. It's, it's interesting how the, you know, what kind of zeitgeist, I don't know if there's a zeitgeist in this. And I, if you guys wouldn't mind giving your impressions of um, this concept of a teacher gamer revolution. I mean, I'm, I don't know what else to call it. And that's kind of where I went with it. And I put it on hundred and it became shortlisted as, you know, one of the 300, you know, most important global innovations for education. Um, but I don't think it's going to make the hundred, but it did get shortlisted from 3000 to 300. And that, that's kind of cool. And next year, maybe it'll go further, but I, and I also, I don't want it to be just mine. It's not about me. It's, it's about like a concept and I'm trying to like offload it or get people to help me carry it or whatever. So are you talking with uh, Zach Hartman and Marianne Cullion? Are they people at hundred? No, they are people who are rocking. So I am not just like a teacher gamer. I am I'm more in the applied gaming space. So my, my whole thing is gaming is useful across a lot of contexts. Sure. I kind of came into it through a therapeutic uh, pathway, but I've done gaming in the classroom. I've done educational games. I've done, you know, curriculum design. Uh, so I, I, I wear all those hats, but the two people that um, I think are doing some of the most impressive kind of teaching RPG teaching work right now are uh, Zach Hartman uh, and Marianne Cullen. Um, and I, I can actually give you their Twitters. Um, awesome. Um, and Marianne is just, she, she's fantastic. She's actually got a 60 something 
60 something girls playing D&D. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she is. Awesome. And, and on top of this, she's working on her doctorate in uh, educational gaming. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marianne. Um, How do you spell her last name? Um, Colian. Uh, I actually, I'm always misspelling it. But um, let me see if she has it. Uh, she does not have it publicly, but um, let's see if it's on her website. Uh, what's cooking? Uh, Colinan. But yeah, that's uh, like I am kind of all over Twitter as far as the applied gaming space. Uh, Marianne is actually a very good friend of mine. Zach, I've talked with him a few times. Zach, um, Zach's a pretty, pretty interesting guy. He's doing a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff as far as training teachers, how to use RPGs and doing that. Uh, Marianne is doing some fantastic stuff and just how to run games with uh, specifically middle schoolers and the work she's doing on her doctorate should be very interesting when she's uh, starts publishing. Um, but the fact that, you know, she's working on her doctorate and teaching full-time and raising three kids and raising yeah. like six cats um, for which are kittens. Um, uh, I, I, I don't think she ever sleeps. When you have the energy, you know, go for it. Right. Yeah, no, but yeah, I, I, I cannot, you know, you, you want to talk about a teacher gamer revolution. Those two people um, are big on it. And, and definitely Marianne. Marianne and I have had long conversations um, about where kind of the educational thing is going because she's really interested in um, kind of the, the education uh, side of things and really starting to ask some questions around um you know, what are the benefits of running games in schools? Because my intuition is that the, 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 the subject matter stuff is kind of shaky. Um, yeah, but that, at least that was, that was my experience with the Deep Blue RPG, because I don't think, like, as far as teaching marine bi biology, it's a very kind of experiential thing. Like, oh, you see this sort of octopus. Well, now the kids know that there's this type of octopus, but it's not as dense a thing as, you know, perhaps, you know, direct instruction about the thing. However, as far as building interest in the subject, by the end of it, all the kids were really interested in marine biology. So I, I think there is that value. I think there is tremendous social um, benefit um, just as far as building community, but I, that's the direction Marianne's going. Um, my current direction is looking more towards community-based gaming, um, mm -hmm. like gaming at homeless shelters, gaming at, um, youth, you know, queer youth centers, um, looking at specifically, uh, at-risk youth populations. So that's, that's kind of what's really interesting me right now. Um, but highly recommend you, you talk with those two people. Great, thank you for that. I definitely, definitely would love your introduction if you want to make one. 
And um, uh, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm under at uh, Teacher Gamer Z. Oh yeah, that. I think we're following each other. I'm Roll yeah. for Kindness. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, yes, 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 and yes. Um, I want to um, really quickly. I, I just followed them. Thank you for posting their their Twitter connection and. Yep. Um, I just plugged uh, Marianne. Uh, or you to Marianne. I don't know Zach well enough to do the introduction. Like I've talked with him a few times, yeah, but yeah, go ahead and reach, reach out. out to him and just say, hey, Roll for Kindness said you were amazing. Just wanted right. to introduce myself. That sounds great. And, and yeah, he'll, he'll know who I am. Um, I, I uh, what did I want him to say? Um, Mar Mark, are you doing Twitter? Are you, are you a Twitter person? You're on mute right now. You're on mute. I don't think I am. I mean, I think I have an account, but um, I don't think I'm actually doing the Twitter thing. I'm I'm looking for my account name right now and failing. It's all good. <laughs> I I had I. It's funny because I didn't. You know, I I think I was on Twitter with, you know, four followers or whatever. And then started doing this thing with the teacher gamer. And actually, I felt like teacher gamer actually gave me a, a reason to be on Twitter when before it was like, I'm, you know, way out there. Um, even now, I still sort of feel funky about it. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, Twitter seems like a thing to be, it has to be really relevant. And I feel like I'm, it's gaining in relevance. And again, with the teacher gamer revolution, things that are more like about a thing and not so much about me feels more important to me. Um, and I think that that's what's started to generate some energy around it. But um, what I what I really wanted to talk about was this point that you brought, Peter, um, about uh, you know how how relevant is um, driving subject matter in RPGs, and I don't know that it is actually. I, I like to say that yeah. not about saying that for the record, but it's more about saying that. I think RPGs as, as a class itself, you know, come and play games, come do something really robust. Let's, this is definitely a social emotional opportunity. It's definitely something mm -hmm. for identity processing. It's definitely for taking risk collaboration and a whole slew of skills, which I went into with the teacher gamer handbook, 36 different school skills. And by the way, I never really set out particularly with, I actually kind of back generated the, the skill list. You know, I, I actually, played and taught the class and knew that there was many skills I was using. It wasn't until I sat down to write the book that I realized these are all the skills that I'm teaching, which is a really interesting thing because usually we kind of, you know, have these, um, these goals either in a community or in education, and then we kind of build something to make it happen. And so that's been an interesting thing. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah. So, so what you're kind of, it's really tricky. So I, I've been teaching social skills really effectively for seven years. Like absolutely can attest, D&D can teach social skills. It right. can happen. And these are skills that are behaviorally like, like, like re reinforced through the game. Like right. you have to role play. You have to be able to 
work as a team and be assertive and communicate what you need to do. Otherwise, the party will get killed or whatever. Right. So right. this, I, I, I think so much of the, the, the discussion around how people learn with D&D is based around the RPG itself. And like, it, it, imagine if we were trying to teach uh, math using the tools you use to teach history. You would just be going around all these events and when people discovered like, and this is when they discovered calculus and this is when they discovered geometry and Pythagoras, would kids learn math? No, they wouldn't. Versus if you're trying to teach history in the same way that you teach math, where you're just drilling people on, you know, dates and events and just like, okay, so, you know, Copernicus plus, you know, the, the this event equals this you know nero and rome equals burning would kids learn it probably not so the 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 i think the the biggest problem and this is what i experienced with the um the marine science rpg was the people who were designing it they were trying to do D D light i right. was kind of their consultant testing person so i had very little to do with the design process and in retrospect I think that they kind of screwed it up um, because they were focusing specifically on a D&D sort of model that's very experiential. Whereas say, like if I were to be looking at teaching Spanish, I would not do a traditional D&D dungeon crawl because that would not be a very effective way to use it. Instead, I would say, okay, you, your party starts in the human lands, but as they're traveling to the elven lands, all the elves speak Spanish. So we're going to start with you, you know, going to an elven uh, inn and to be able to figure out what room you're going to be staying in, you're going to need to ask them in Spanish. And then uh, there's a few elven drunks at the bar and they're getting offended by you. So to avoid a fight, you're going to have to kind of talk them down in Spanish and they're you know, throwing a bunch of insults in Spanish at them. So of course the players are going to be like, Ooh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to remember that one. Uh, um, you know, and so you are creating this really tailored experience. Right. And so I, I, I think no one is really doing this the right way in the teaching space. I, I see a lot of teachers who are doing amazing work in the SEL space. I have yet to see anyone who is doing really good curriculum RPG design. Mark, you want to jump in on that? Um, I definitely have some Uh, comments. No, I I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's a very, I think it's a very challenging thing. You know, I I can visualize history being taught through LARP very well. You know, certain situations in history, acting it out, giving, you know, people different motivations to create you know negotiations etc the, the one guy actually marianne uh taught mythology through large nice uh she she did a thing where they're all like the greek gods and that was actually how she started rpg so yeah ask her about that but the the other really good example of history being taught through rpgs was from a non-teacher who wanted to do a historically accurate roman game and so, you know, he was this huge, like, Roman history buff. And he was telling me, like, 
you know, part of the game is, you know, back in Roman times, there was a market day. You know, you couldn't just go to a store and buy something. You had to wait till market day when all the markets were open and go and buy something then. So, you know, if it's a Tuesday and your character wants a sword, well, he's going to have to wait till Sunday because that's that's the market day. Um, and he can spend all day looking for a blacksmith that might be willing to sell him one, but that's going to be an entire day of looking. And so I thought, like, that's a really interesting way to teach that concept. Um, so, yeah, I, I think history could be really interesting. And I, I think there's enough precedent with it with sort of like mock UNs. Uh, you know, the, the history teachers, they'll do like a mock UN around World War II um, and stuff like that. I, I think that's pretty much, you know, historical LARPing anyways. Well, there's yeah. some other, there's some other, um, I know that there's some science LARPing going on with, you know, uh, especially um, around sustainability and taking different roles uh, or having a community or a community that's inundated with some kind of pollution um, or, or another one is kind of going on another planet and kind of building sort of these biospheres where you could live and then you'd have different responsibilities and that become really science related. But again, I don't, depends, depending upon how old the kids are. Um, what I've, what I've found is having the RPGs as is, is its own class uh, and having the opportunity to work with kids socially, emotionally, but also through kind of maker space, using your hands, kinesthetics, foam sword battles, um, and kind of going between all these different things and also using presentations and, and, and making big profiles or big biographies or geographies, biogeographies about the characters. There's it's it's just you can fill you can fill a lot there um but what i have found is as a subject teacher that teaches games and teaches a subject that when i go back to my subject teaching and i've already played games this is the one of the critical things for me about the teacher gamer handbook and about the whole concept of being a teacher gamer that's not just teaching rpgs is that um the openness and i think other teachers also have this experience who teach multiple subjects, like an art teacher who also teaches, I don't know, history or Spanish or a, or a PE teacher uh, or a theater teacher who also teaches, uh, you know, biology or, or history or, or whatever, that once they've played with the child in, in one context, when they go to the other context, they have, they have multiple levels of re relationship. And the key for me is that and that same thing with co-teaching as well, is that once we've played together, uh, then when we go back to actually subject, um, the students are much more um, ready to share with me their difficulties or what's um, challenging them. And that I can, uh, that we can address that together, you know, and if we've already been co-creating, co-developing uh, or, or looking at uh, challenges puzzles and confusion or difficulties in the gaming realm that when we go back into the regular world um, they're much more um, I'm looking for this word right now um, wow. why do I keep thinking wherewithal no that they're, they're much more ready to to 
to uh, show up with and and contribute in the class and be I also I think because there's so much failure that happens in role-playing games that they're actually willing to say hey I just don't understand this you know or I just don't get this literary device or I don't understand when why would Romeo do that you know and say that you know with the Capulets or you know they, they'll just come out with with things where before that person might have been more introverted um they've already been going through all these experiences through the RPGs class where, where it's, they've gone through so many things that they're ready to, to share, contribute, admit they don't understand something, show that they're confused and kind of get on with it. Like, let's get on with, with, you know, I want to learn this stuff and I want to get through it. Um, and that the sense of challenge and, and risk taking on a personal level, I find goes up. Um, I, I really want to do a, um, and get involved in some university programs that can actually measure this because once that can be shown to be measurable or measured, um, that's fantastic. So that, but that's a kind of more complex thing, right? That means that it's a subject teacher who's teaching RPGs and teaching a subject and what the, what happens between those things um, positively or negatively. So I, I need to go because hot food just arrived, but reach out to Marianne and I already said that you'll, you'll be reached out um, or that she should reach out to you. Uh, but Super. I believe that that is going to be a big part of uh, what she's working on. Um, Super. Anyways, it was an absolute pleasure to meet all of you. And I would love to pick your brains more about LARPing because that is a space that I would like to get into eventually. Yeah, um, Peter, I put my contact info down there. I've been doing LARP with kids and teens for 30 years. So happy to happy to talk with you. Yeah, awesome. yeah, sure. All right. Thanks, Peter. Adios. Take care. Bye. Hey, Mark. Yes, Zach. So glad that uh, so glad that, that we got to take this opportunity. This is really, really cool. And yeah. uh, and all all to our friend Bonzi, right? <laughs> yes, good good Bonzi. He's awesome. Good good collaborator and connector. Um, I love I I love hearing that, you know they basically gave you your own class for role-playing and gave you the freedom to yes. do what you wanted with that arts writing, et cetera. That is perfect. And uh, that makes a lot more sense in my mind. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe you were doing, you know, science and math and this and that, but I know you are to certain degree. I'm lost you or what's happening. Stay with me, Mark. Oh, I hear you. Oh, I, I, I hear you now. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what I have, happened. Uh, I have poor internet uh, up in the mountains here in Colorado. I think we're, I think we're, we're back. We're back on. Yeah, I think we're fine. Sorry. Can cool. you just say that uh, again? Uh, or oh, just... I, it was just. I was just saying that uh, it's great that your school gave you the freedom to have your own role-playing class and be able to bring in whatever elements you wanted with that. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, um, it, 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 it really was. And uh, again, it was, it was, I think it was a frustration that just said, do, you know, do, do whatever and we trust you to, to go for it. Um, I think that that's an amazing opportunity and that's, it's kind of the thing that happens in life sometimes where opportunities emerge when uh, things, that's an example of things going 
maybe wrong or difficult. And then suddenly there's an opportunity to, to jump in and, and take advantage uh, of the opportunity. And I, I was there for that. And I think that, yeah, that, that goes, that goes the same thing as one thing I'd, I'd want to say to any, any teachers or teacher gamers listening and who have perhaps an opportunity like that is to not try to do too much um, or try to overdo it or try to promise too much. I think one of the key elements is to, uh, is, is to really set your goal to something possible. And one of the main things for me is to be able to say to kids, you know, do you want to play a game? Do you want to go for this? Let's try. Um, and yeah, let's play and get them into the, the play space is so important. Um, you still with me, Mark? I, I am. I turned my video off because my internet's acting up and okay. I think I'd have more bandwidth without the video. You're, okay. you're absolutely right. I think kids learn a lot if they can just relax into the play uh, mode, play space. Yeah. And um, do you know the uh, Sudbury school model? Uh, I've heard of it, uh, but I feel like I would love to know more. Well, just um, super briefly, Sudbury Valley School is a school where and they have a, a lot of different schools around the world, I believe, um, where the kids are invited and encouraged to do what inspires them. So there are no set classes in that school unless the kids tell the teachers, hey, I really want to learn this. Um, and so the, the main theme is if you're really inspired by something, you're going to learn from it, even if it's just, uh, you know, reading fantasy novels or playing D&D. Um, so on the one hand, uh, you know, D&D is fun or role-playing games are fun. Um, and so kids are playing and they are going to be learning uh, by because they're having fun engaging with each other. And on the other hand, I'm convinced that role-playing games are one of the best teaching tools for learning uh, a lot of important skills. So uh, it's a win-win both for in both ways there. Nice. And uh, I'll just um, say that it's, it's, yeah, oh, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gushing at that. I mean, it, it is an amazing opportunity when I think administrators realize um, the opportunity there is for kids to get engaged. And especially, um, I think there's an, a great opportunity at the beginning of any new school year, um, or I guess at the beginning of any new term, there's an opportunity for the school to try something new. Um, trying to bring role-playing games into the middle of something or trying to plug it into a subject suddenly, um, you know, what is really nice is when it comes organized and there's, there's also a dedication. Um, I think it's something that that students can learn with a teacher. I know that that happens sometimes, but uh, having an actual guide of somebody who knows how to play them. And that also, again, puts into um, focus how important it is for people who have dedicated themselves to gaming and who have a background in it, but also who've dedicated themselves in, in to a life of pedagogy or teaching or, and learning and, and understanding cognitive development and uh, learning development. These are such 
uh, yeah, that kind of merge of the teacher and the gamer is such a, um, a special thing, but it's, I think it's happening more and more. Um, and just to go into a little bit more of your background, are you, so you're doing more kind of after school and camp or you, are you able to do things in school as well? Uh, mostly what I do, what Renaissance Adventures does is summer camps. That's been our big business. Um, and I, uh, I started Renaissance Adventures in 1995, but for five summers before that, I was experimenting with LARPing with kids while I was directing a creative arts camp on the East Coast for this nonprofit arts foundation. Um, but summer camps are a big business. We do after-school programs. It's very rare that we do something in school. Um, so mostly it's after-school uh, holiday camps, whenever schools are on holiday. So we are not in a curriculum of a school, but we've got a bunch of private schools that really appreciate our, our work. The kids love us. The families love us. We get rave reviews, you know, so uh, it, it's, uh, we, we've got a lot of kids who just come back over and over because they're getting so much out of it. What do you think, and, uh, and do you hear tales of uh, and testimonies of kids go to your camp, then they go to school, and what are they able to carry? Have you heard of, I mean, is there a legacy of things that go into, that they bring into school with them that they've learned in camp? We, we certainly get testimonials from our parents around confidence and self-expression. Um, you know, occasionally adults who were kids at our camp, you know, uh, will reach out to us or, you know, uh, uh, I'll bump into them uh, on the street and they'll be like, man, I, you know, I learned so much from doing that program and thank you so much. I'm, I, I'm, I'm much more, uh, empowered in who I am because of that experience. Um, so, you know, we get, we get kids on the spectrum, we get kids, all kinds of kids and a lot of parents letting us know how just, uh, how much their kids do an after school. We'll often hear, hear from the parents. This is the, you know, yeah, at, at our after-school programs, we hear from parents that the time of the week their kid is looking forward to all week long is that little one and a half hour after-school class every week. Oh wow! So it it's an impactful it's impactful for the kids. It's super fun, and if kids are having fun, they're going to be learning a lot. If you've got a mature teacher, um, you know someone with a lot of experience with. Someone with a lot of experience, and then it cut off. Uh, so a lot of experience with children uh, leading that game. And yeah. uh, I apologize. I hope it's not my internet, but it might be my internet. That's It uh, might be my internet, too. It, 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 I've gotten a couple of messages that it says it's unstable. Um, I'm so glad that okay. it, for the most part, it has been stable. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's internet's funny that way. Gosh, well, what can I say? Um, I... Thank goodness for the internet that allows us to have this conversation. And at the same time, it definitely has its frustration elements, yeah. but, but you know, yeah. One, one thing about D and D we, we do lead D and D programs as well. We had a school uh, ask us to, because they had so many kids into D and D and it was a school that we were doing our adventure quest LARP at. Um, 
And so for the last maybe four years, we, we do some D and D programs. Um, and I don't, I don't think D and D fifth edition is really the optimal game system for a school environment, uh, with kids and non-gamers. And I think, I think it can, uh, easily lend itself to a lot of complex rules and, um, you know, complexity where really the focus should be on the story, on the narrative, on the character building, on the role playing and the plot. Um, so I, I'm all for a much simpler game system for a school, uh, environment. That's really interesting that you say that. Um, so I don't do fifth edition. I do 3.5 edition. And you're, how well versed are you on all the editions? Are you? Do you I, know I've them played all? all of them. I started with the box box, you know, uh, edition one back in the late, you know, mid seventies. Um, so yeah, 3.5. Um, I guess I guess in my ideal perspective, something about one tenth as complex as 3.5 would be optimal. Um, but, you know, uh, to each their own, you've got to play what inspires you. And um, I just want the kids to be focused on the narrative more than uh, what prestige classes they're going to learn and, you know, their powers and the dice rolls and stuff. So that's really, that's really interesting. So to, to, to give you to give you some perspective, for me, um, I think, when I played the most as a kid, yeah, I played the original box then there was the intermediate i think right and then there was the advanced and then there was second edition and that's when we started getting the the books that that we kind of that became the, the classic size books um then third edition came and um and fourth edition was just awful and then fifth edition um and something about the fifth edition was trying to take the best of the third edition and um, the fourth edition felt to me to be something like, um, oh, what's it called? Um, what's that? There was a, I'm trying to come up with the name of this thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, 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 main, the main thing for me was that when I taught this, it was me setting out to figure out how will I teach this very complex game but keep the narrative front and center. And actually, one of the methods I use is what I call book closed. It doesn't even matter you know, what subject it is, but just starting with the book closed and, and engaging with them into who their characters are. I mean, we pretty much start with a notebook and we write everything down. And it's not, I don't even introduce the books until at least the kind of fifth or sixth hour of uh, character building. Um, and, but, but, and the, the main thing for me about using 3.5 edition actually is that it is super complex. And um, so I'm kind of riding this rail between um, getting the kids to play something that's really narrative based and fun. And also the parents going, oh my gosh, you're, you're working with, you know, three 300 page books and you're helping them learn how to navigate those books. And these this thing is so complex and the kids come home and talk about things that are really, really complex. And that's, what's so exciting, I think for the parents. So again, I didn't necessarily set out to do it <laughs> this way, but the 10 hour character build um, is something that 
you know, especially somebody who's never played before. And I, and also I don't, I don't tell that I tell the parents about the 10 hour character build. I tell the administration about the 10 hour character build, but I don't tell the kids about the 10 hour character build. And when they say, you know, when are we going to play? I'm always like, we're already playing from the moment that you walked in here, we're playing. And, um, and they kind of get, they get that and they start to understand that. And I, and the, the beauty of the complexity is, and we talk about that too, is guys, if you go to play any role-playing game, there, you're, you're, are, you already have the tools um, to, to step into any situation. Uh, and there's gonna be things that are a bit more complex than this, but for the most part, there's gonna be things that are less complex than this. Um, and I think it's about, again, it's about how it's handled. Um, I think somebody stepping up for the first time and trying to, you know, teach kids role-playing games or, you know, to learn as they, as they go along. I think we need strategies from a person like you, who's probably taking things a, a lot. Um, yeah. I'm just going to say that simply is, is, is how, you know, how do, how do you engage with um, kids and how do you determine what complexity is good for them when you say, for example, that someone would come in at one tenth the complexity level of 3.5 edition? Well, I, I mean, our, our primary program is our own, we use our own game system um, called Adventure Quest. And, we, and so we are starting simple with that Adventure Quest game system with the kids. Now, um, it gets more complicated uh, more options for different thematic powers and paths, secret paths and whatnot, as the kids get older. So we've got kids who sometimes are with us for five, eight years, um, you know, coming to several summer camp weeks in the summer uh, programs throughout the year. So, so their characters develop over, over time. But when they first start with us, they've just got a few basic powers and uh, a really unique race um and that's it uh now you know our D, &D programs are fifth edition because that's what uh when we started doing the D, D, it was because the 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 school the, one of our schools just said hey we've got a bunch of fifth edition players here they want some really talented leaders you guys are masters of the gaming can you start leading this and so since then we've just been doing fifth edition with them but Again, for new players, especially, we start simple with pre-generated characters. You know, they get to choose their path and their race, and we've got pre-generated characters for them, which they can edit and modify. Um, or if we're doing something online, we're working with D&D Beyond. Um, but, you know, in our LARPs, we work with as young as six. Um, I th I'd say the majority of ages are eight to 12, but it's uh, a range of from six to 17. Uh, grouped in small groups of five or six kids by age. So you'll have your eight-year-olds together or eight and nine-year-olds. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, they start really simple and the Adventure Quest game is designed to be able to work well with kids and to scale up as those kids are ready for uh, adding some, some complexity. Nice. Well, this is all, um, there's so much for all of us to learn from what you're doing and what, as, as we could see, just bringing in Aaron and Peter and you and I 
all coming at this from, from different directions. Some, uh, the Venn diagram crosses, of course, in all of us, I think. And then, um, and then what the different specializations are and, fo and foci uh, into how to bring RPGs into schools. I'm gonna bring it to an end, Mark. This, is, this has been two hours. Uh, thanks for, for, what, for the time you spent here um, with me and sharing what you, what you know, what you learn. And um, as I've said before, my kind of pledge to keep things going, I'm, I'm really interested in, in trying to put together maybe something monthly so we can have chats like this. And I, I hope that they grow in size, but also I really appreciated even uh, just, just, the, just the three of you um, have a whole world of knowledge uh, and background and experience. Um, what are your thoughts for the future of um, how we can bring more teacher gamers uh, into the into the fold? Yeah, I think I think once a month or once every two months, having a gathering um, uh, potentially with certain themes, you know, announced ahead of time, you know, that people can think about and bring their views on or just, you know, show up because they want to hear people's perspectives on those themes. Um, maybe some way for for people to contribute. Hey, can we do this theme or variation of this theme? Um, I think that would be great. And uh, it helps, you know, I think it, it opens my uh, world up knowing what other people are doing. So, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I think that's really helpful. No, I'm, gonna, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm looking forward to watching the first half hour of this video, this recording, if you're going to, you know, uh, wherever you're going to post it, um, if you're going to post it, because I'm curious what Aaron said uh, before I got here and you and you as well. Super. Well, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I, I, I will. Um, I have this teacher gamer podcast that I'm putting together, uh, been putting together. I've been recording so many uh, interviews over the last like three years, and I'm finally going to be putting these up uh, and, and this one where it will be, it'll definitely be, uh, YouTube. I'm thinking video wise, I just don't know how boring or amazing that'll look, but, um, and then I will be having the podcast the podcast is just so close to getting off the ground and, and it continues to be, uh, the, the next thing on my list. I got my book out. Now I've got this meetup in front of me out. Um, I just took a job at, a place called Empathy School here in Bali. They've given me the autonomy to build their middle school, um, which I'm doing based on a curriculum I developed um, with a few partners of mine, uh, Rosina Dorelli uh, out of Cambridge University in the UK. And um, yeah, we've created this thing called Da Vinci Life Skills, kind of trying to hit on the polymath in all of us. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you that link. I'll put the link here as well uh, for people to check out. But this is a, so this pilot program is just a wonderful opportunity where they're allowing me the autonomy to put RPGs as one of the core center pieces of the curriculum. That's Which, amazing. And so we're starting in January. So that's just like blowing my mind. Uh, and we expect to open a second school uh, here in August. <clears throat> and uh, there's a couple other different pilot projects that are starting up uh but it's all it's pretty much 
PBL is project-based and transdisciplinary. You know, so we're trying to figure out many different things and how to skill students up, but using RPGs as one of our actual core pieces of curriculum, which is, I guess, would be your social emotional, but also your makerspace and your DTE. And uh, there's a whole science of sustainability within it and also art. So, you know, we heard some people talking about STEM programs. We're really looking at the STEAM program, putting the A, the art in the STEM program. Uh, yes. So that's that's where that's where I'm headed with this, and and uh, the theme of this this meeting was a uh, um, challenges and accomplishments, and there have been a lot of uh, both, and I'm really glad that we got to hear about yours and and about Peter and Aaron's as well. Awesome, um, congratulations! That sounds like an amazing opportunity, super challenging and amazing, and I can't wait to hear more about it. Super, thanks, Mark, and uh, yeah, thank let it. Let us know, let us know, and uh, glad to have you also in the, in the Facebook group. Um, really great place to, to share and build together. We hope you've enjoyed the Teacher Gamer podcast, a Wild Mind Training production, text and production copyright 2021 and 22 by Wild Mind Training for Teacher Gamer Revolution. Reserved.